watch a scary movie. I, of course, am T, and we're talking scary movies. Yes, yes, yes. You have joined us for another new episode. And really quickly, I want to take this time to remind you, if you want to get alerts on when the new episodes go up, which is every Wednesday at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, then go to this link right here. And at this link, you'll get all you need to know when new episodes are going up and any other videos that I might choose to upload at times as well, too. And in addition to that, if you subscribe to the link right here, this is the link to the Facebook group page for T Watches a Scary Movie. That's where you can find all of the scary watch parties we're doing and a lot of the fun other horror shit that I see around the webs that I'd like to let y'all know about as well, too. Now, as I said, today is an episode of T and Friends Watch a Scary Movie. So, we're going to get to the first part of my interview with the host of Nia Has Questionable Taste, Miss Nia Travers here, in just a moment. But, remember folks, after episode one, we have our watch party tonight. We are going to be watching the 1999 The Mummy. Yes, the Brendan Fraser version of, of The Mummy. If you need to find the link to where to watch that at with us, go to the Facebook page. That's where we're going right after this episode is done. This is part one of a two-part series with Nia. So, without further ado, enjoy. All right, welcome back to T and Friends Watch a Scary Movie. Joining us today is one of my good friends. Uh, I've known her for years. We have worked uh, the Denver Pop Culture Con, De formerly Denver Comic Con circuit together for the last however many years in the Artist Valley section. She is the host of Nia Has Questionable Taste, uh, one of my favorite podcasts out there that came to my attention because um, she specifically mentioned the movie Deep Rising, which is one of my absolute all-time favorite films. And part of what we're discussing here on this episode today, folks, please welcome Miss Nia Travers. Nia, how's it going today? It's going good. It's going good. It's uh, beautiful. It's snowed. Yeah. It's a little bit past my wake up time. <laughs> <laughs> we were uh, we were discussing between yesterday and today because uh, newsflash, folks, because I I love talking about this shit. I don't care about the behind the scenes stuff at all. We did try to record an episode yesterday. We had some really good stuff, and because you know, it just badness has to happen to me once a week. The episode <laughs> didn't save, so we're back here recording again, and. Uh, yeah, no, about them early morning wake-up times. I appreciate you doing this so much because, yeah, uh, you and me both, late, late, like night outs, night outs, like no question. Yes. Oh, man, I was up so late last night. I was actually, I was actually, like, making scripts for, for my podcast. And yeah. the next thing I knew, it was 3.30 a.m. in the morning. So. Yeah. Well, it's always <laughs> interesting that you mentioned writing script for your podcast as well, too, because I, I go I go so far back and forth on it to where it's like, okay, the episodes where I write script, I sound intelligent. And then the episodes where I'm just kind of like free balling it and everything. Oh man, I sound like a jackass who just rambles on forever. Honestly. It's just like, yeah, it's just because otherwise I will just talk for hours and hours and hours about one thing. And then I'll listen to it later and I'm like, okay, Neo, we get it. We get it. The baby thing was, was creepy. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to uh, what I would love to start off with. Yeah, like I said, I came across your podcast. Number one, because you're a fantastic person. And I'll, you know, anybody, any of my friends who put stuff out there, I will happily take a listen or a watch to or anything like that now. But again, um, you started off with Deep Rising, which is a favorite of, of both bars, actually. Yes. But 
tell tell our uh, tell our viewers and listeners at home a little bit about Mia has questionable taste. What is your podcast all about? So that's that's a great question. So first, when I was starting it, I was just like, I'm just going to talk about movies that I think are weird and people might not like. But steadily, as it seems to be going on, I seem to be choosing movies that are like. So you have like your blockbuster movies, right? And then you have your movies that for all intensive purposes should have been blockbuster movies and yet somehow like didn't make the cut. Like yeah. either they got regulated to like the B-movie camp or people just hated them altogether. Like mm. Deep Rising is a great example of that. It really is. But, but I think that they're movies that still are enjoyable. And if you sit down and watch them with like an open mind and realize that like literally they were worked on by maybe like the same production team that worked on like one of your favorite blockbuster movies or like worked on by your favorite design house. And all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, this movie actually might be really cool. Like it might be actually really good. Whereas like the only thing that might've stopped it from being great was like, an actor choice or or like a choice of music or, or something like that or just timing because sometimes movies come out at the same time like the Avengers does and then you never hear about them so basically like you're you're all about like finding those like hidden under the radar gems basically that either people just trash and they trash unfairly because maybe they didn't watch it because we know that's a thing folks hate movies but they hate them without seeing them like you know, yeah. I, I, I recall like, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, whenever they come out, the Twilight movies. And those are bad movies. Those are really bad movies. I don't enjoy them. But I told myself I can't trash them without actually watching them. So I watched them and they're bad movies, but I felt good that I actually watched them to actually say they were bad, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's like that, you know, you got to you got to give the movie some love. Like I've never <laughs> met a movie I didn't try to love. And so this is like what that podcast is about, but it's questionable because, you know, the movie might actually just be bad and you might end up just thinking it's bad. Like that. At least you're honest though. Um, so tell me then, all right, because Deep Rising, I I'll put it like this. I have not, granted there have been a lot of people who have seen it uh, that I know, but anybody that I've either introduced it to or anybody I know that's actually seen it, has, has not had a bad thing to say about that, but I am curious, um, maybe not even what you've mentioned in your show up to now at this point or anything, is there a movie or two that you have in your mind that you know for a fact is questionable that you would recommend to people? Outside of Deep Rising, what's another movie or two that you have questionable taste on that you would recommend to, uh, to oh. people out there? Oh, let me count the movies. Okay, so we got it. We got to go with the ballpark. The ballpark called like the the cult classic hit a home run out of the park, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Ah, okay, okay. The movie is so terrible. <laughs> I once tried to force my significant other to watch it, and then he looked at me and was like, "If you ever make me watch that again." we might break up oh no. <laughs> oh no and it's so interesting that's a that's a great choice because um like that's one of those movies that that only got better over time and i, yes. I mean that in like a cult classic very kind of way because we're, we're both agreed it's not exactly a good movie but it's so much fun and it is it's only gotten more enjoyable over the decades right yeah exactly so that would like 
who doesn't like the fact that these clowns look creepy and terrifying their faces are like melting they make ridiculous puns i'll knock your block off and then literally <laughs> knock his block off they turn people into cotton candy and suck their blood out of crazy straws and they shoot popcorn guns that turn into weird popcorn <laughs> monster thing i don't even know how to explain it but yes it's great. It's, it's so good. It's so, so good. And matter of fact, I feel like movies like that, folks are now only getting a chance of you. They never even heard of it. They get a new introduction to it because I'm actually pretty positive. Killer Clowns only got added to Netflix like maybe a couple months ago. Like I'm actually very yeah. positive that only came on the Netflix just a couple of months or so ago. It used to be considered so terrible that you would always find it in like the $3.99 Best Buy bargain bin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man, man. So that is that is a perfect example of the some of the things you're gonna be able to hear on Nia's podcast. Nia has questionable taste. Nia, uh, where can they find your podcast at? So you can find it on Spotify, Podbean, Podcast. I'm trying to get onto the Apple Music uh library. I still have not figured that that one out yet that's <laughs> shouldn't be difficult but it seems to be um and then you can find my uh my facebook page nia has questionable taste on facebook i have a facebook page uh feel free to go there i always link the podcast episodes there as well to try and make life a little easier and all the different sources that you get it from and we will throw those links up on this episode as well too folks so you can find those very easily so I brought Nia on because I've mentioned Deep Rising a few times and we both love this film. But then I thought, you know, I always try to get a theme for these, uh, for, for episodes, because I always want to find like something that'll like mesh together really, really well. And uh, I started thinking, all right, well, I recently accidentally, like in sometime in the last month, I accidentally ended up watching Van Helsing again. And uh, I'm not a fan of that movie, but it was the first <laughs> time that I've seen it and at least 15 years because like when there's a movie I don't like I'll give it one more shot but then after that it's like yeah not happening again if I can help it and I was like you know what we always need a third so why don't we just make the mummy the control to this and we're going to talk about the works of Stephen Summers so that's what we're going to go into here folks is that we're going to discuss Deep Rising the mummy and Van Helsing the horror works of Stephen Summers the director and writer and and kind of see what we got going for that. So, uh, Nia, tell me about your experiences seeing these three movies for the first time. What do you remember about each of these movies, seeing them individually for the first time? So, Deep Rising, uh, I don't know who I saw it with because the only person I could have saw it with at the time was like, I did not take you to see that movie. That's a hard R for me. No, he would not have seen that movie. Uh, but what stuck with me the first time was the scene at the very, very beginning of the movie where like the little Asian girl is running away. You don't know what she's running away from and everybody is screaming. And then she goes out on a toilet. Yeah. I was so young that that kind of like toilets slightly, I had like a slight phobia of toilets going <laughs> forward. I was like, I don't. If, if you have not seen the movie, what Nia is referencing is there's a scene once the monster starts attacking the boat, which like she said, we don't actually get to see the monster until later, which is which is so cool that I love that yeah. they, they eviscerate everybody or almost everybody on this cruise ship. And we still don't actually see the monster yet. We know it's a monster because it's right. not a serial killer pulling people down through toilets. But uh, if you haven't seen it, yeah, this, this woman decides she's going to run off into the bathroom and hide there. And then that unfortunately doesn't end too well for her as she gets pulled through the toilet to her death. Now. Yeah. 
Oh, so strange. It so was strange. so stressful. So stressful. I was like, I don't get it. And then I would just like, I think it was like 12, maybe. I can't remember what year that movie came out. But then I would just like, I the toilet. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know about this, man. <laughs> like, it yeah. was weird. Child's brains. That's how they work. Oh. Uh, the Mummy was really great because George of the Jungle had just come out. And mm-hmm. so, like, Brendan Fraser was so dreamy in that movie. <laughs> and then he comes out in The Mummy. And I just remember seeing it in theater. And I was like, oh, he's so cute. Like, he's so beautiful. I think I was like 14 or something. And I was like, he's so good looking. He's so handsome. Oh my God, people are getting either fleshy enough by gigantic scarab beetles. Not gigantic, but like they're big. They're like this big. They're these freaking huge. beetles. Huge. And they're oh. eating people's flesh off. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I, I don't know whether to be like, everybody is highly attractive in this movie or to be like terrified for my life because he just ate this person and turned him into a mummy. <laughs> and then Van Helsing. Yeah, I liked Van Helsing at first, but that movie has not aged well. Like for me, my mind or visually, like worse than like storyline wise. Like oh oh, yeah. I watched it again last night to see if maybe I was just like trashing it unfairly in my mind because I do try to like I try to love movies. Yeah, so tr- it was still bad. It was still so bad. <laughs> And so yeah. I remember watching it and I was like, these are the greatest graphics ever when it came out. And then as an adult, I'm like, yeah. this movie has not aged well. It's 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 sad. And it, it's so interesting the way all three of these movies, like you're talking about your, your first experiences with them, because um, I, I mentioned it, I mentioned it to you yesterday when we were talking about it, that, you know, I didn't see Deep Rising from the beginning the first time I did. You know, I saw it. Yeah maybe honestly probably around around where you're talking about where the woman gets sucked down into the toilet so i didn't see the setup with the mercenaries and, and anything like that they were already on this ship when i saw the film and going just off of that i forced my parents to rent it and you know i talked about how i saw the mummy at the drive-in theater for the first time and van helsing i didn't did you see van helsing in theaters i did i did okay. but that was just like it was very much like a I hate to say it, kids don't do this. <laughs> that was like when it was really popular to like buy a movie ticket and you go to one movie. Yep. And then you would yep. like wait and that movie would end and you'd like go to the bathroom that's in the hall of the movie theater and then you'd like do 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 do. Oh man, I absolutely suggest that because that's how I saw so many R-rated <laughs> films back in the day. Oh man, I the, the, that is such a fun experience. These days, I feel it's probably pretty hard to actually get away uh, get away with it just because, you know, we don't do midnight showings anymore and stuff because, you know, everything that happened here in Aurora. And uh, there's way more security at films now, it seems. Now, yeah. granted, I actually can't remember, and not because of COVID, but I actually can't remember the last time I remember having people post up outside of a theater, like checking. Do you remember that in high school and stuff to where if you went to a movie theater, they used to have ushers posted outside of R-rated films, making sure you either had a ticket or were 18. They don't do that. Yeah, I did. That's why you had to miss the beginning. That's why you had to like, wait, you had to wait that 15 minutes for the guard dog to like leave. So you always miss the beginning of movies. Yeah. You got to see the movie. You did. You definitely did. Oh man, that that's so awesome. And what what's so interesting, you know, after talking about these first experiences, is that the late '90s, the early 2000s. Um, you, you know, we've talked about it, but 
Universal basically got famous. Like one of the reasons why they got so big was because they made these monster movies. And, you know, back in the day we had black and white, we had Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman and so on. And every few, like every couple of decades, they remake those films. They were always, yeah. there was either sequels or there were remakes coming out all the time. And what a lot of people never really understood is that some of the fa our famous adaptations of these films are universal monster movies. So like Bram Stoker's Dracula, that's a universal monster movie. Um, uh, the freaking American Werewolf in London, universal monster movie. Uh, and then there's random offshoots that are actually part of that as well too. Like Jack Nicholson's Wolf, that's a, that's a universal monster movie. <laughs> Hollow Man, that is the invisible man. That's oh my a God, universal that monster movie. And <laughs> The Mummy and Van Helsing are both universal monster movies because The Mummy is straight up The Mummy. And um, Van Helsing is basically trying to do like almost almost like the like the Avengers. It's almost like the MCU or the DC uh, the DCU to where it's like okay, we're gonna make this big team up movie basically, but it's now a team up of all the villains, and then we're gonna make sequels that'll hopefully look at more villains and stuff like that. And it, it's so interesting to consider that this is actually one of the earliest shared universes that we ever had. All these movies, none of them connect. But it's interesting to think of it like that, that this is one of the earliest examples of that. Yeah, yeah. Because like otherwise, other than Monster Squad, which was very much a camp movie. Yeah. This was like really, Van Helsing was really like the next movie that I can remember where you had the Wolfman show up. Mm -hmm. They made like a, they made an allusion to Dr. Jekyll and Hyde in this movie. Like, mm -hmm. The, you had Igor, you actually had Victor Frankenstein, and then you had uh -huh. Frankenstein's monster, and you had Dracula, and the Brides of Dracula. Like, I think the only person who didn't make an appearance was the mummy. That's it, yeah. <laughs> Man, which, you know, talking about that one there, you, you had pointed out to me, because I totally spaced it uh, when we were talking about it uh, the other day, but the fact that uh, some of the nods, because uh, all these adaptations, either the stories are very loosely the same, so it's just like an updated version of the same story, but you actually had reminded me that one of the biggest connections in The Mummy is that uh, Artif Bey, as played by uh, Odea Fair, um, that was actually the name of the mummy in the original film. Yeah, yeah. It was like a really nice nod back, back to that, like, I think it's Boris, was it Boris Karloff? I never looked it up and we never, we never decided on <laughs> Boris like, Karloff or if it was Lon Chaney, honestly. I know, but it's like a nice nod. It's like yeah. a nice nod back to that because that's like, that was his like human day counterpart. And then they were like, well, we don't really have a human day counterpart. So nope. <laughs> here, <laughs> we're going to make it this guy whose and whole job word. is to guard an ex, not an ex uh Hamanaptra. Yes, yes. From, from outside forces. This guy, <laughs> he's already the thing. Yeah, uh. <laughs> like, I really liked that. I thought that was good. I also liked the fact that just, uh, I don't know, there's like a lot of great nods in that movie to like old time, like, I don't know, like the old time feel of like classic Hollywood movies. Like you very much have like this character who is the normal character and then he goes on the quest and he like gets pulled into the, into the magical mystical world as he goes forth, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which seems like a, a great nod. I don't know, I love the movie. It's like one of my top 20. <laughs> I, and, and you know, let's, let's talk about the stories of these a little bit here. Um, Deep Rising is the story of, 
a it, it's a team basically of, I, I guess they're not really mercenaries they're just like hands for hire but a, a team that basically rents out their ship for whatever the whatever the need is they don't care what it is uh as you pointed out the slogan is the cash is there we do not care yeah and a team of mercenaries hires them to take them to a cruise ship which as we've mentioned has been attacked by this monster that we're not aware of yet in the story and we soon learn that these mercenaries were hired to basically destroy the ship they're hired to rob it take all the money for it to where the owner of the ship is going to collect the uh, insurance money but they find out unfortunately that plan is going to go to shit because a giant monster has attacked this cruise ship and killed most of the inhabitants yes yes and a smart monster nonetheless like it's not like a dumb monster who's just like running around accidentally getting some kills in while people aren't expecting it like no it's like it's like the Velociraptors yeah. in Jurassic Park. It's laying traps. It's oh, hurting God. people. Yeah. It's, it's separating people from their group. It knows how to get into tiny little secret mm. areas. It's it's smart, which is what's even more terrifying about it. Because halfway during the movie, they realize that they've been getting herded towards yep. a specific area on the ship. And that part leads to like what I still view as one of the best monster unveilings I've ever seen. Because it's like you've gone an hour in this movie without seeing the monster, building up the terror. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh shit, it's deliberately moving us towards the hull of the ship. What's in the hull of the ship? Why is it taking us there? And then that's when the monster shows up. Yeah. And even that... What's so awesome about that too, um, which, you know, I didn't realize it until like the last few years watching it again. And I mean, it's it's very apparent after you watch it once, um, but it's kind of ingenious actually, is that they pretty much spend the bulk of the movie, not actually like, we don't see the monster. We don't actually, we're not encountering the full monster itself. It's just it's fucking tentacles or yes! appendages or whatever. And to me, that makes it more scary. The fact that this monster successfully navigates this entire ship, killing everybody, including the majority of our main cast with its tentacles without ever actually seeing the full monster, its head, whatever, throughout the majority of the film. That is just craziness to me. Yeah, that's why they're under the impression that it is the monster, like the guy who likes to pretend he's all smart, like he made the guy who dismantled the ship, the one yeah. who owns it. Do you notice he's the only one who makes a claim as to what the monster is? And everybody just looks at him like, do we really have time to be like speciating this fucking monster right now? He's just trying to kill us. Like, let's just focus on surviving. Yeah. And even, and and even then, that, he's I'll not right. Yeah. <laughs> and then like you think about like so we go from something like that to where it's basically not not necessarily a mystery but it's being hidden for most of the film and then we shift to um uh, excuse me we shift to like the mummy to where you know we start off Rick O'Connell and Benny they're fighting uh they're fighting this war and I forget what you have to forgive me I love that movie but I don't even remember what the whole point of like the battle at the very beginning of the movie was about 
But Benny and O'Connell are fighting in this war. They're getting their asses whooped in it. And then they stumble upon, basically, there's all this, like, kind of, like, magic and, like, mystery happening at Kaminatra. And Rick O'Connell ends up in jail. Uh, and the story goes into uh, uh, Evelyn and her brother, jo uh, her brother, uh, it's Jonathan, right? Yeah, it's Jonathan. Yeah, it's Jonathan. Uh, <laughs> Evelyn and her brother Jonathan are trying to find out the secrets of Hamanatra and the treasure and all that stuff because Jonathan's found like a key that allows them access. And they find O'Connell, who they're going to hire as a guide to take them and basically excavate all these riches and treasures from the lost city of Hamanatra. But unfortunately, along with that, there is a curse that if you open this Book of the Dead, that you'll raise uh, just this, uh, the, you'll raise. Emotep, who was a high priest, right? He was yes, the, he's a was high priest. Yeah. yeah, he's a high priest slash advisor to the king. Uh, and he suffered the curse of Amundai, I think is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yes, yes. And so like, if they speak from the book of the dead, it'll raise him from the dead and it will bring with it the seven plagues that were visited on Egypt. And <sighs> he will be forced to like consume the life force of whoever was there when it was opened. And it was great. Yeah, and, and such an easy plot because I, I'll be honest, um, I've, I've watched the original Mummy uh, probably three times at this point. And I, I, I wanna say, I, the only thing I can remember about the plot being is just that um, uh, Ardith Bay basically wanted to resurrect his, his girl. That was the yeah. plot of the original Mummy, but I don't remember whether he had plans for world domination or anything like that now, honestly. Right, exactly. And I mean, that's still the same here. Like, Imhotep definitely wants to, like, resurrect the love of his life in Naxanumanun, because, like, the whole beginning is, like, you know, the, the we're not going to touch each other, but then I'm going to kiss you. I'm going to quickly forget my resolve and just, like, yep. smear your, your paint. Right. It's I'm done. Screwed. Oh, and then we're gonna man. have to kill the we're gonna have to kill the pharaoh but that was but yeah. a uh oh man what a, what a what an impatient move that's just like he he wasn't even thinking about it at that point like yo we kissed your dude's coming in here right now i guess we gotta kill him that's the only option we got right now i feel like they were planning that right like they were like <laughs> it's done like that's it we're, we're, now. there was like nice. there was backstory we didn't we missed in that movie like yep. there was like a there was like a part where they sat down and they had a plan and they oh were like, man they were Which like they we're do, gonna have him they do expand on that i guess in the mummy returns because you're right i mean based on what we learn in the mummy it's just that he was in love with this girl the pharaoh was obviously in the way so it's kind of still like it's it's like uh what do you call it like a gothic romance almost because technically we should still feel kind of bad for Emotep like it's true love and who wants to be married to the pharaoh anyway right it's like um, Romeo and Juliet yeah but, but like you said <laughs> yeah we hit the mummy returns and then it's like no they they actually were plotting to kill this dude for like for a good minute now like yeah they like sure they were in love but let's let's not ignore the fact that they're not actually good people they they actually were plotting this for a little bit now they so. were very 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 bad people who did a very very bad thing and then they were like but the love the love <laughs> is why we did it <laughs> like, and so then we talk about Van Helsing, which is very mummy light, obviously. There's no mummy in it. But uh, nope. Van Helsing works for, it's the church or, or, or some kind of order, basically, that's responsible for stopping all these supernatural like beings and stuff like that in the world. And we find out that Count Dracula, along with his brides, 
is trying to raise an army. This army happens to consist of his and the bride's children, of course. And to raise that army, Count Dracula needs the assistance of the Wolfman and technically Victor Frankenstein as well through the use of Frankenstein's monster. And it's up to Van Helsing to stop Count Dracula from succeeding to raise his undead army. Yeah, yeah. So I've been thinking about this movie because I watched it and I felt because obviously we we recorded this podcast we kind of bashed it a little bit (laughs) in the other one and so I was like man I feel kind of bad it's like when you like when you're mean to somebody and you're like I feel kind of bad that I was mean to you maybe I should give you another shot so I Uh tried to watch it last night and like I just don't get it like it's Stephen Summers it's like a standard Stephen Summers film there's like corny dialogue there's like funny characters he goes like big and bold with his visual shots and yet it's somehow like missing that magic that thing that like takes it from being just like like I wrote this note last night while I was watching it because I forgot that the beginning of that movie starts out in pure black and white yes it does too uh because this is this is when he's uh when he's still experimenting with with the doctor and everything, right? Yeah, and yeah. Doctor Frankenstein, yeah. Yeah, and that's right. That's the right. movie actually looked so much better in black and white that I was just struck by it, and I was like, would this entire movie have been like aged much better if the entire thing had been in black and white? I actually, you know what? That is a very very good point because I again I get we both didn't enjoy the movie, but. To be honest, I'm a sucker for aesthetic like that sometimes. Like, um, yeah, I, I compare it to uh, like Logan and Mad Max Fury Road. They did black and white releases of those. I was like, damn, this actually added to like really the whole aesthetic of the film and actually improved upon the feeling of it, which already two phenomenal films. But you're absolutely right. Like there was a lot of promise in that opening segment uh, in black and white. And that that if it. If that is not a direct link to the universe, like the classic universal monster yes. movies there, I don't know what is. Like that's a hundred percent Stephen Summers saying, you know, we're invoking these old films. And I agree with you. I've never thought about that. That that film, as bad as it is, likely actually would have been even 10% better if it was yeah. entirely in black and white. And they did some special effects in that first, like, like there's the scene where uh, the lightning flashes and yeah. Dracula's face transforms from the man to the to the yeah. creature and then back to his face again, like man, vampire man. <laughs> and it just looked better. It did not look as cheesy in the black and white. Like there was, so, there was something like oddly, like, oh, is it a trick of the shadow? Because everything's kind of shadowed right now. And then what was really cool is like when they were... A, like they're standing over Frankenstein's monster and Victor Frankenstein is wearing his white lab coat and Dracula's like all in black. And it was really cool visually because it was like, they're arguing over the dichotomy of good and evil. Like Frankenstein is like, we can't can't use him for your plan. And Dracula's like, but we're going to. And so I was like, that's like a really cool visual nod to like the two forces fighting over Frankenstein. But I didn't even think of that is oh yeah that's perfect that's actually incredibly perfect honestly yeah so I just think they should release it in black and white they should do like a black and white re-release or maybe if you turn your computer your TV screen to black and white mode and watch it that way uh, 
that could be good. You know what? Now I got to track down Stephen Summers' uh, personal information because we're getting all these director cuts and like Snyder cuts and shit like that these days. We got to try to get like a Summers cut of Van Helsing, honestly. I'd be right? good for that. Oh, Come on. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. That was just okay. my thoughts last night. <laughs> all right. So. I want to talk about the scares in these three films, right? Now, I get it that Van Helsing is very light because it's not really, it, it's more of an action film, an action-adventure film with, like, some horror elements. But the scares across these three films, you know, especially Deep Rising and The Mummy. Um, talk to me a little bit about what you can remember, because obviously, you know, this we're, we're 20 years after the fact. Actually, we're probably, like, 20, closer to 25 years after the fact. Yeah. God, we're old. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, talk to me back then when you when you watched like Deep Rising and uh, and The Mummy, some of the things in there that you can remember kind of getting freaked out by and maybe unsettled you a little bit. Like, were there actual moments in these films that did that to you or was it more so you just had fun with it, but you weren't really getting any kind of chills or thrills from it? No, both of those movies like terrified me because I was definitely like middle school age when those movies came out. And Ew, yep. I was probably a little too young to watch Deep <laughs> Rising when I did, but I did it anyway because I, I don't know. If you're an only child and you're at home with your mother's extensive movie collection, like a lot of the time, going you watch it. some things. Yep. You watch some things. Yep. But what was so scary about that movie was um, there's this scene where they're running away and it's like your first reveal of the monster and it's not even the monster it's just his body like i don't, i can't bend my oak but his <laughs> body pops down behind this guy and he's like what's behind me what's behind me oh and yeah he turns around yeah and he shoots the hell out of this thing and he's shooting it and it like rips open and there's a dude pops yes. out yeah. and it's this squishy skeleton with like it like harkens back to like anaconda when like anthony hopkins pops out and like, yeah. it, like jennifer lopez oh man it's that terrifying and like he's half digested yes like, ah! i looking at a skeleton hand oh good yes yes <laughs> yes yes so good so so good oh and i i think that was the right idea too because if you think about it, you know, Deep Rising, it, 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 it's hard because may, maybe it, it's like the atmosphere isn't exactly set to be scared as much as it is to be like unnerved and grossed out because yeah. it, like it, it's not, it's not, it, it really isn't necessarily a scary movie, honestly. Like, yeah, it's a horror film, but like, it's not necessarily there to really scare you. Like there's no, ah, we got you or anything like that. Right. But like you said, they do scenes like that to where, um, Billy, that's the character's name. Yeah. Yes. Uh, like, dude turns behind him, shoots him. Dude spits Bill. Uh, the monster spits Billy out, and it's like, Jesus Christ, that is disgusting, man. He's in yeah. pain. <laughs> yeah, I think there's like a definitely like an area of horror where it's like not necessarily body horror, but like squeamish, queasy horror, where you're yeah. sitting there like, like, uh, I feel it. I feel it. I feel like I'm gonna throw up. <laughs> like oh. not a good way i'm gonna throw mm. up so, so good that was like one of my favorite scary parts of that movie and then the mummy one of my favorite scary parts this is gonna sound so bad because uh -oh. okay so they come back they come back from like they they have the they have the the americans they're all in the hotel room right and they're like some shit's going down the though like 
the water turns to blood right and yep. they run upstairs where they put evie for her own good and for some reason they decided that it was a good idea to have one of the americans watching her <sighs> and so there's dumb. this scene where like Imhotep comes in his sand through the window and like eats the guy right yeah and then he goes into the he like freaking his sand and he pours himself through the keyhole yep. into Evie's locked room while she's sleeping and I'm just like oh god a girl Evie's gonna die she's gonna die and he like walks over to her and like half his face is like normal and half his face is like not normal and he kisses her and his face dissolves on the one side while he's yeah. kissing her and for me like oh that hits him that hits him that hits him like some 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 rapey vibes yeah one so oh, yeah. i was like this is not okay yeah. <laughs> she did not consent to this and two like oh he's he's still part mummy and he's mm -hmm. kissing her that's and it, it it the mummy is is such an interesting film beyond the fact that it's a it's a fucking fantastic film like yeah. i honestly feel that if you can if anybody can stand there and say they do not like the 1999 mummy that you're an asshole you're actually an asshole if you don't like that film um it's so good but what's so interesting about it is that uh it, it, they 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 traverse so many genres in it so fluently and easily because when it's an action film my god it is such a fun action movie like those yes. chase scenes and they're like especially the one where they're all in the car and they're trying to escape like and everybody's jumping on the car and they're throwing people off and stuff like god that is such a fun scene the um, plague and boils victims yeah oh. And, but then like, when I think about the horror, cause they do the action and adventure stuff fantastically. When I think about the horror, they do such a good job setting those scenes and like the the uh, the feelings and just the tension in it. Cause like, I think about, you know, um, uh, after Emotep gets first released and they're in, they're still in the damn, uh, in the tomb. And the one guy with the glasses, Emotep attacks him and takes his shit. And that's the only the first time he attacks the dude. And they set that shit up so badly. And then, like you said, the scene where, uh, like they're all drinking at the bar and then it's the and then it all turns to blood again there's like i'm a sucker for sound in horror movies and there's the part you know they're all drinking everybody spits their drink out and then uh they're like it tastes like and everyone's quiet and then o'connell says blood and you just hear the one shot glass just drop and break on the floor it's, and it's like that gave me fucking chills right there man so good and even when they're in the city of hominoptera and they are like there is some jump scares in that movie because they're like sitting in there in Hominoptera. They're underneath the foot of the, uh, is it the God of Anubis or Set? I think so. I yeah. So they're underneath this statue and they're like talking, they're basically talking shit about the Americans who stole their dig site. <laughs> and they're like, Ugh, and they're like talking all this crap. And like O'Connell, who is an American, keeps having to say, none taken. Like, because yes. they keep going, no offense. And he's yes. like, none taken. And he's <sighs> sitting down there playing like, golf or something golf. right yeah. yeah all right folks and that's gonna do it for part one of our interview with the host of nia has questionable taste nia as a part of t and friends watch a scary movie we will be back next wednesday with the second and final part of our focus on the film works of mr stephen summers where we're talking the mummy deep rising and van housing so make sure you are back next wednesday at 8 30 p.m mountain standard time to see the second part of this great interview and of course 
Check out our other videos that we have, including my interview with David Steinman, the writer and director of the horror classic Santa Slay, starring WWE superstar Bill Goldberg. And of course, also make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube page, because if you're subscribed there, you're going to get all the alerts of when new episodes are coming up. That does it for us, though, folks. We will see you back here 8.30 p.m. next Wednesday. I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.